Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 20, Full Speed Ahead. This week in the news, we have golf oil spill and diving, divers invited to share stories, spearfishing could be outlawed in Guam, and please step up hunt for scuba pervert. Along with that, we'll be talking about some cool scuba gear, and we'll also have some boat talk, uh, which we'll pick up in the show while we're talking about that. As always, here's my co-host, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing great, Darren. How are you today? Great, great. It's glad. I'm glad to be on the program again. Nothing breaks up the week like uh, a little bit of podcasting and talking about scuba. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So, uh, but this has been a, this has actually been a pretty big, uh, busy week for us in scuba. We had our uh, dive last weekend. We had the club meeting this week, and you had some diving last night, actually. So yeah, last uh, night we had it packed in there. Uh, Shelly will be on the show next week. This is a, kind of an off week for her. She has her open water this weekend, so we'd like to thank her for coming on the show last week. Uh, also, I want to thank. Uh, our mentor Mac for coming on and filling in for Jim for last week as well. Yep, I appreciate that. And and it worked out well. It's always great to have Mac on the program. Uh, he, he has a different perspective to it and years of knowledge, which uh, I think we've only got what about three thousand <laughs> dives to catch up to him. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> or or a little more maybe. You think a little more? I, I think I'm actually thinking. could be right. Yeah, uh, could be could be a little bit more. So let's just go ahead and jump into the to the news at this point, and we'll get that out of the way. Uh, the first news article, if you've if you've got it there, Jim, uh, this is the one where you know I've been I've been watching out in the news about this uh, this tragic oil spill that we have there in the yeah. Gulf, and and you just have to wonder what kind of uh, immediate effects it has and lasting effects, and then how it affects the people most of all. Uh, where their livelihoods are involved, and you know, you know, from the the fishing, the fishing, fishermen, and the shrimpers and dive tour operators, uh, you know, it's got to hurt. So I, I put together a few news articles from this week uh, to go over, and uh, this first one was a little bit interesting, and it was an oil spill update uh, from a Pensacola scuba diving center, and they're seeing no signs of oil near the Orinsky wreck. And I'm probably saying that wrong. I, I, I looked uh, it up several times. The USS... Oriskany. Oriskany. Yeah, so you, you, you can join me in mispronouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, off the western Florida coastline near Pensacola, and that's a popular diving site, and they said that so far they haven't seen anything. So they're encouraging everybody to come on out and go diving. Right. And, you know, the thing is, like you were mentioning, uh, the people that are impacted through this, I've got no doubts um, that the Earth will be able to recover from this. Mother Nature, you know, will be able to clean this up just fine. But uh, the people that rely on that, the ocean in that area, um, how long can they wait they for, wait the, for the recovery? recovery? Wow. Wow. Uh, sounds like uh, talk shoe like back, back alive. Is that talk shoe alive? Or is that Mac? That's Mac. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Hello, Mac. Hello. Seems like we couldn't get it together on the other one, and I was just listening to Shark Teeth discussion, so I thought I'd come over here to Skype to see if you guys are here. Yep. 
And uh, while we're there, we'll invite uh, Mark on if he wants to come on. Much better to listen. Yeah. Um, he's jumped off the chat and talks you. Okay. I'm just going and inviting him in. Yeah, so for, for those of you at home, we're having a little bit of technical challenges with TalkShoe, uh, second week in a row. So, uh, you know, we'll have to decide if that's a service that we keep or not. Uh, it, it's handy. I mean, it, it, it's got all the bits and pieces there. It just they haven't quite been able to put it all together. But uh, you know, enough of that. You know, it, it's it's what we pay for it, which so far has been free. But, uh, you know. Uh, a premium service isn't too attractive to me if they can't keep the, you know, the the service that you you try them out on, working. Right. So yeah, you, know, you got got to kind of prove it you're worth spending money with before I'll go and drop a, a bunch on them. So maybe looking for some some other services and hosting options. Uh, but kind of back to the news article, we have uh, uh, the they said so far they haven't seen any oil showing up on the wrecks. Uh, you know, they were, you know, there were some concerns about the currents, but th- what they're encouraging is everybody to come out and go diving. Uh, nobody is for sure if or when Northwest Florida will feel the effects of the this, this spill. Uh, so, so far with the weather it's been, it's actually worked out in their favor. So that's the first article. Now, this one I thought was a little bit different, a different perspective. And this was on uh, a skin diving shop. And this is actually up in uh, Alabama. Yeah, shop in Birmingham. Birmingham. And they said that the oil spill is hurting uh, their their supply business, diver supply business. And they said the reason is is that people, you know, a substantial amount of their business is people who are buying gear to go down to the Gulf of Mexico. And so people are holding off on their purchases because they're saying, if I, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know how the oil in the is going to affect the Gulf. So why put a bunch of money down in classes and gear if I don't get a chance to use it? So it's, you know, for some it's already having an effect. Yeah, and th- those are the ones that, that I'm I'm afraid won't won't be able to recover. It's the businesses and things like that that, that are going to be hurt, um, that can't ride out the storm, as it were. Exactly. They, you know, they've already had to endure a couple years of uh, uh, down economy. Uh, scuba diving has kind of been in a downward trend for a few years. Uh, you know, there's just not a lot of uh, popular coverage in the media. Uh, you know, e- you know, TV. There's there's really no shows on on TV that uh, accentuate the positive parts of diving or of uh, underwater nature. So, you know, it's it's a challenge. So, you know, we hopefully these these companies are going to be able to pull through it. Uh, one one positive bit is uh, this next article where divers and Coast Guard prevented a huge oil spill during the flood. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of missed the news up here. So I was having a hard time as I was going through the article figuring out uh, where and when. So this was in Nashville. Did Nashville have some flooding recently? Oh, absolutely. It was, oh my gosh. It was uh, horrendous. Okay. Uh, okay, yep. so that, that makes sense because I couldn't tell if it was a new article or an old one. And I went through... And, uh, you know, it would be helpful if they put, like, an actual date in there somewhere other than in the byline. But uh, uh, what they were saying is that as the, f- the floodwaters rose, uh, these, uh, oh, gosh, what do you call these these places? The oil farms is what we call them up here. But right. the uh, big terminals where they have all your, your, your uh, gasoline, you know, the, in tanks, that uh, as it floods, those tanks become buoyant. 
And then also, even if they're full, if it goes over the top of the tanks, the tanks with the gasoline in it, I understand, are lighter than the water. Mm-hmm. So uh, what they were doing is they were uh, they were concerned about it. So in a preemptive step, uh, they filled the tanks actually up with water uh, to fill up along the top. And then they also had uh, scuba divers were going down in under the water and turning off valves for them to make sure that nothing leaked. So they said that they, they weren't able to identify any leaks resulting from the floods. Uh, the, the terminals were shut down for about 12 days, and they're back up and running now. And uh, also part of the article talked about uh, some of the steps they'd done. Uh, luckily, they said there was no runs on the gas station, so there, was, there wasn't any rationing or shortage of, of fuel oil. So uh, congrats to everybody involved in that one. They... Uh... They had quite a fight on their hands uh, because they did have a lot of damage and so some lives were lost in that flood. So it was it was quite a big deal. Yeah, I, I feel bad for not following up on it. You know, sometimes it just it's amazing so much news out there what you miss. But uh, you know, it's a great example of what the divers can do to help out. And and what's what's interesting is and they don't really say in the article, but I'm I'm hoping that they were, you know, sometimes everybody's so worried about liability that they only want you know, certain type of people to help. So they turn down help just because they're, they're more afraid of somebody suing because they get, they get hurt. So it'd be interesting to see if these were only, you know, military or sheriff's department divers or fire department divers. Or, divers or, yeah. yeah. Or were, were they actually some, uh, uh, recreational divers involved helping out? So, uh, the next story in the scuba news is scuba divers are invited to share their stories. And this is the new publication that uh, Dan has out there. They're looking for people to write about some of their experiences, the Divers Alert Network Alert Diver magazine. Uh, the publisher of divers are, the magazine are looking for your stories. Uh, and uh, they got some, some new sections. They got uh, Dan was there for me. And this particular column focuses on real-life emergencies in which Dan has played a key role in the outcome. Uh, so if you got any of those stories, uh, you know, send them off to Dan. And, and also, if you'd want, send them off to us. We'd be interested in hearing how uh, you know, Dan helped you. Uh, they have another, another one, which is Scuba 911, where they're looking for stories where you put your Dan training to good use. Uh, you know, for example, if you had done the oxygen course and then had a, a chance where you needed to use that uh, to help somebody out. Uh, and then they also have another section, which is member to member, and it's a chance for the divers to speak directly to other divers about matters important to them. They've got a nice publication. Um, Alert Diver is uh, is a really neat read, and I think that they've gone from uh, um, a monthly magazine to uh, quarterly, if I remember correctly. And they have got a lot of uh, a lot of neat stuff in there. It's a yeah. good, high quality magazine. Yeah, they, they they changed it a little bit. I think they're trying to put a little bit more content, trying to uh, raise it up. Uh, I've read through some of the some of the issues of it, and there has been comments where people were actually criticizing it, criticizing them for it it being too nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, well, I, I mean, you can under, understand it to a certain extent. Many of the members are looking for uh, Dan to be protecting them. And mm-hmm. you know, they didn't want a, a fancy magazine, but uh, you know, they, they, I think there's a, they've done a good balance. Uh, the, the contents in there are great, and uh, the information out there, uh, definitely a great organization to belong to. Right. Uh, and then this uh, next article is uh, 
uh, spear fishing is to be outlawed in Guam. I guess there, there's a, in Guam they're considering outlawing the spear fishing. And we'll post this in the show notes. And I'll also get the last week's show notes out there. I was noticing today I didn't get those in there. But uh, what what they're saying is that uh, they're, they're trying to, I guess, I, I mean, I couldn't figure out in the article exactly why they did it. They said if enacted a new bill would outlaw spear fishing while scuba diving in Guam, the bill dubbed 397-30 would still allow free divers and snorkelers to use spear guns in the water around the island in the Western Pacific, that is an unincorporated territory of the United States. And the article goes in to explain the history of spearfishing and who does it. But I, I can't figure out why, if it's uh, if they're concerned about overfishing. I can't believe that. Um, you know, any of the experts that you talk to um, or read up on or any of the opinions on that, it's spearfishing is so selective, and I think they even mention that in there, um, as yeah. opposed to any of the other types of fishing. Yeah, you don't you have know, any bycatch. Uh, you know, you, yeah, they're, they're, you don't mistakenly catch, uh, you know, the wrong species, too small. Um, you know, you are you are hunting that fish. Um, so I don't understand totally the both sides of this, I guess. Yeah, because I'm... Uh... Yeah, it, I'm I'm kind of puzzled as to why, but uh, uh, I'm guess you know it'd be interesting. Maybe we'll find out some more articles on why it's being done. Um, you know, in in the in the article they go into other countries such as uh, Norway have limited to certain species like uh, salmon, sea trout, and lobster. Uh, Florida restricts uh, spear fishing to many areas a certain distance from shore and puts many type of fish under heavy bag restrictions. And to me, that seems like what you could do. I mean, you could say, you know, you could have a daily limit and maybe even a lifetime or, or season limit. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be kind of curious, uh, you know, what, what the reasonings are. And then this last article, which, uh, just by the name, the name of it, you know, that I gotta, I gotta put in here. Uh, and this one was please step up hunt for scuba pervert. <laughs> Which at first I thought they had caught they had caught up to me or something, but well, I don't know. Yeah, of course you could you could mix and match these two articles. You know, yeah. they could allow uh, scuba spear fishing of the pervert of the pervert. Yeah, that would do it. Whew. Yeah, I wonder what you. Oh gosh, yeah, better not go there. Okay, police have uh, <laughs> stepped up patrols at an Irving Beach Park in a bid to snare notorious scuba masked flasher. The pervert wears nothing but the rubber mask. Uh, baklava and diving top and has been responsible for a string, string of indecent exposures at the park ever since summer of 2007. <laughs> now, the, the thing is, is I, I want, now I'm going to say I want pictures from the waist up. <laughs> I, want pictures, I want pictures from the waist up because I don't believe this is a scuba mask. You know, yeah, I think this is like PVC or vinyl or 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 something along those lines. Perhaps a superhero mask. Exactly. I mean, you know, because here we are, divers getting uh, the bad rap again. Wrongly maligned. For yeah, wrongly maligned. Uh, so, so the the cops are determined. Uh, he doesn't strike uh, this summer. If introduced additional patrols, think of how much money <laughs> they're spending <laughs> to catch this one guy. I think somebody not wearing pants would stand out a little bit. You really need, <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah, you know, you know, 
know, and, and, and I, you know, are they getting a lot of volunteers for this patrol? You know, are a lot of people seeing them and not catching them? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think somebody's just uh, got a burr under their saddle for this one. Yeah, and, it's, and the source says the beach park has become something of a pervert's paradise in recent years and is something the top, the top brass wants to clamp down hard on. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, well, I can appreciate that. Nobody wants that in their neighborhood. No, it should be a place for families to feel safe to go. There's no doubt a reputation is putting a lot of people off. One guy. It's one guy. I mean, if I... Come on, people. If you, if you're out there at the beach, you know, and I know you don't want to come, but if you, there's cell phones, there's camera phones. You can't. You got to be. You got to be kidding me. That oh, I don't know. Maybe it's odd times of the day that they they can't get them. But this just seems nuts. Uh, uh, the scuba pervert has been a real thorn in our side. He has a habit of coming out of the woodwork to better weather. In the better weather, so hopefully we'll get him this time around. Well, I would hope so. I think you know, in cold weather, you know, there's shrinkage. You don't you don't want to have to be dealing with that. The, the the weirdo struck last July when he exposed himself to a female dog walker. He is described as approximately 40 years old, six feet tall, thin with oh shaved legs. Okay, I'm safe there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this, this week the spokesman for the Irving Police confirmed that additional foot patrols would continue in the foreseeable future. Well, now they're patrolling for feet, and they should be looking for a naked guy. Well, yeah, you're not going to catch him. Yeah. Uh, and then they added that during the several months, the incidents of inappropriate and antisocial nature have been passed, increased around the beach park area of Irving. Oh, my gosh. What, what is this next word? Strathicide police? That's... Strathicide. It sounds like a something you use to preserve, like a preservative. I heard Strath- that on uh, Strathicide. Uh, yeah, I heard that on uh, uh, one of the NCIS medical shows the other night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. NCIS. And it's you know it's pretty uncommon, but but it's only in one part of the world usually. Yeah, well, you you, you can only buy it like a half gallon at a time. They got restrictions mm-hmm. on how much you can get it at, at once, and they're urging. Uh, the public who are using facilities at the beach to be vi- vigilant with regards to such incidents and report anything of any appropriate or antisocial nature to suspicious persons in the area. <laughs> See, I, I don't think this is a scuba diver. I mean, they didn't mention anything about tanks, you know, fins, uh, rebreathers. You know, rebreathing is probably something that people do when they see them, but uh, so. Right. Well, uh, we, but we had to do it. Po- all apologies out there. We we had to uh, cover this one. So enough of the news. So <laughs> <laughs> had to shed light on that for yeah, everybody. Yeah, light. Oh gosh, we could keep keep going. So uh, we, well, last week we had uh, some good dives going. Uh, let's see what we do on. Uh, well, oh oh, I know what you've got to talk about. Hmm. You got a new boat. I did. I got a boat, and we uh, we had some uh, had some runs on it before, but we actually dove off of it this last weekend on Sunday. So that was a good time. Yeah, I, I, I'm impressed. It worked out much better than I thought. We've been diving off Bob's boat, which Bob's boat's like I mean that's pure diving. You know, yep, that absolutely. Zodiac right there at the water line. I mean, that just screams diving. So, you know, your boat, which has to cater to other needs other than 
uh, scuba-obsessed individuals. That's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I saw it, and it, and it looked almost too pretty to dive from. Yeah, there's that. And I'm, uh, you know, I, I really don't want to, uh, you know, convert it over and drill a bunch of holes and do all this and that. But uh, it was fun. It was fun. It certainly was. It was I, I can't believe how, how well it worked out. Uh, you know, and, and how, how long is the boat? Uh, it's 21 feet. So it's not a, it's not a big boat by any means. Um, but, uh, it's, it's kind of a mix so that we can use it. Uh, it's, it's large enough for Lake Michigan on a, on a fair day. Um, you know, and it can carry a couple of people and we had four divers in it and that was, you know, maybe five, uh, it would be squeezing in pretty good, but, uh, it wasn't too bad. But that's uh, you know, I guess when you say a big boat, that's a got a big gas tank that goes along with it. So, <laughs> I, I want to say that's actually a pretty decent sized boat. Uh, you know, and, yeah, for for trailering around and things, yeah. Yep. And uh, so we went out there on Sunday, and went out the St. Joseph River. Uh, I think we were. We had, go ahead. Go ahead. We were we, going to we, head we, south. Well, yeah, because that's <laughs> we had we had agreed on a spot, and um, and then when I turned south, we decided that south wasn't the same direction for everybody and i turned around and went the other way <laughs> and ended up heading north and uh we settled in on uh, on the havana um which was the visibility was good temperatures coming up in the lake um it, it was just a good day good day so uh, you know you 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 had been out that was the second time on the havana but the you had a free flow last time so this time you were actually able to get down to the wreck yeah yeah and uh it was it was pretty impressive. Um, it was the first time that I've I've dropped in, and uh, we had been on the what was it the South Bend on Diamond Lake, and that was pretty neat. But uh, the Havana is spread out over. And I think originally it was a 125 feet long uh, schooner um, when it was up on top of the water, <clears throat> and now it's just a rubble wreck. You've heard us talk about it before, and it's it's literally just uh, the decking and you know some hull spars and things like that that are, are laying out there and no more than what do you think three feet off the bottom some parts of it yeah i think that was probably there might be Maybe. one piece that's four feet but the rest of it's all three feet yeah at those rib um, spars yep and you you descend down through and the visibility's uh, probably six seven feet as you drop down and then at about uh 30 feet or so it starts to open up and you can see the the drifting of the sand and the sand ripples and things like that and and out of the 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 darkness or it's not really even dark out there but you can start seeing the shape of uh, of the wreck down there and uh it really is a nice dive really neat impressive yep and you you must add the spirit of captain bob with you because we dropped that anchor right there in the middle of the wreck uh thanks to kurt he had his uh, handheld gps with yep. him which had the location on and he said drop it now and it went down and we were just i would say you know probably on the west half of the wreck uh you know but we were we were in between the boards on the bottom in the sand so you know i don't i, I call that a, a direct hit we were and, in the wreck yeah yeah, yeah. and then absolutely uh, Kurt tied off his uh, finger reel from that to the main part of the wreck, which is it's handy. I kind of like that. That's a, an mm -hmm. excellent use for that 
for that reel, I think I might adopt that because it also kind of helps orient. You know, as you get some of these rubble wrecks where they're kind of spread all over, uh, you know, what I like to do is I like to go around the perimeter first and then come back and get into the inner parts parts of the wreck. Uh, you know, when you've got these five or six different parts of the wreck that go out, you can, you can kind of lose uh, your place because you can't see, you know, that, that vessel. You can't see the whole thing. You only get to see little bits. So if you got that line there and you tie it off, it, 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 you know, no matter what side of the wreck you're on, uh, when you see that line, you can follow it back to the uh, chain. You've got a home base there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're not taking your readings, uh, which we all should be doing, when we're down there, um, you can get turned around. What would you say the visibility was down there? I'm going to say that was about 18 feet, maybe. Not, yeah. not quite 20, but uh, we, we actually have some photos out there on the uh, Mud Club at, uh, website, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And also we'll be putting out some video. We'll probably pop that up there on uh, YouTube as soon as I figure out how to get the uh, the video uh, out to Jim so he can do his magic and, and do some editing. Uh, but uh, So you'll be able to see it. Actually, I think the video turned out better than the still pictures. The, the still pictures ended up being a little green. Kurt brought his yeah, camera. And, and it wasn't. Um, it's yeah, not, really tough underwater to get an accurate representation of, of what's going on down there. Yeah, you, you, it, you, it wasn't green. It was... It was um, uh, just a little murky, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, just as the lights go down, it filters out, and you lose some of the uh, the colors, and your eyes adjust. So it's kind of like when you put, you know, like colored sunglasses on. It doesn't take but a few minutes, and your eyes kind of correct for it. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, the camera doesn't do any such thing. It just takes what it what it sees and goes with it. Yeah, it was it was really neat, and the gobies, um, you know, the the floor of the wreck. Uh, was moving and you got a little bit closer and it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these gobies anywhere from maybe two inches long up until uh, I could swear I saw some gobies down there that were eight ten inches long maybe um, mm-hmm. very very cool to see them hanging around and I didn't yeah. see anything else uh, down there um, I think Kirk said that he saw some bait fish a school of bait fish swim by or was that you no he, he said uh, he saw that that school of bait fish swim by but something that I noticed and saw was as we, you know, because you got the gobies all out there, and there was one spot between the boards, there was something, and, I, and it moved before I saw it, but it was mm-hmm. it was darker and bigger than a goby, and there was a big <laughs> cluster of eggs, kind of all in that, you know, that little slime. So I was thinking that, you know, it was probably, you know, guarding over those eggs, and then decided that I was big enough if I wanted them, I could have them, but. Uh, not something I was hungry for at the moment. Uh, so, and then I pointed out, and you can see it in the video. I pointed to it, and you can kind of see it. It's a little fuzzy in the video, but it didn't quite come through. And then you, you saw those balls down there, Jim. Weren't those the weirdest things? Those are something that I, I would have expected to see on a shelf at Pier One. Yeah, yeah, you know, we left them left them down there, but uh, they were like two balls, and they're like your grandmother's yarn ball. Mm-hmm. And it was like all this. So at first I was thinking, you know, is there a fish or something that is packing that together? Or is it just a natural movement of the water? And, uh, you know, maybe Matt can chime in here and correct us as to uh, what those were, if he's seen those before. But uh, 
I think we, I don't know, did we have any photos of those or not? I don't remember. No, I, I didn't, I was going to grab one and, uh, but I left it down there for the next time. Yep. So maybe we'll, we'll make sure we'll get some pictures and somebody can identify what it is. It'd be interesting to dissect one, uh, open and, and just see if it's, you know, cause you know, if it is something that naturally occurred, you know, it's started at a little tiny ball, you know, maybe that's the golf balls, Jim. That, that could, has to be what it is. Could be the golf, golf balls, balls that were rolled all the way out there, and they just built up that yeah. stuff. So the golf balls packed up and grew. So it was an official dive. It could be. We're going to call it. We'll call it a official dive. Um. So then, and then also, I found a uh, an exploded uh, Tide bottle. <laughs> right. And, uh, that was wedged in the bottom of the wreck, and I. I you know, before I condemn somebody, I think we might have actually, or somebody in the club might have actually brought that there. Sounds like they were uh, using that for uh, uh, to mark the the buoy, weren't they? Yep. Yeah, I think that's what they're doing marking the buoy. So I put it at the bottom of the chain. So next time we're out there, we can pull that up. But uh, so it's there. And I and I, I saw the chain up there, and I almost raised the buoy. And I don't know, I guess I got too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know uh, we swam by it, and I kind of looked up and saw the chain going off into nothing, and I thought, you know, I'll just mess with that another time. Yeah. Uh, I, I was enjoying watching the gobies and, and looking at the, you know, some of the wood that was exposed as the sand got washed away and, the, um, uh, you know, the zebra mussels that were moving in on, on the stuff that was exposed and, just it was impressive there were so many zebra mussels down there if you look at some of the pictures it almost does look like a reef um down there uh they cover so much stuff and it it distorts the the outline of what you're looking at it certainly did you just see this kind of clumpy shape Uh, and it looks a lot different in the photos than it seems to in person so that ended up being, uh, I think, uh, let me see, I got my dive computer here. Uh, how long, Did you how figure long? out how to pull your stuff off of there? Uh, not yet. I, I'm going to pick up. Go back and look at your stuff? Oh, oh, I can look back at it. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Hit the button, do this, stand on my head. Uh, we had this 44-minute dive down to uh, 51 feet. Temperature was 47 degrees. So uh, it's hard to believe it was 47. Mine recorded a, a temp of 49. Um, but, uh, that's close. Yep. Yep. And it, it was a nice time and I didn't get, uh, I wasn't cold at the end. In fact, after we got up and got off the boat, I jumped back in for a little bit. I still had my suit on, uh-huh. but, uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uncomfortable at all. No, no, this is great. Uh, and it was a beautiful day out the sun. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had gotten sunburned actually the, uh, day before. So uh, I had to, you know, I, I was still a little sensitive, but uh, had the hat. And then we went, took a little boat ride down the other side, south side, looked at some of the, the waterfront along there and, you know, st- stuff people have done to help uh, from the erosion. Uh, you know, everybody's got their beach houses and they don't want their houses to fall away. So Yeah, and that, that stretch um, a couple of decades ago had a real problem with erosion, Um you know, entire houses were falling into the lake, and we're not talking about a little bluff where they're just falling onto the beach, you know, a few feet. We're talking 70 feet, 80 feet 
a hundred feet high bluff that just collapses with a with a house and a, now you've got a basement down on the beach that was up on the bluff um but they've it looks like they've stopped that almost completely along that section of uh of lake michigan yeah i, I think for now it's it's hard to i mean you can't stop uh nature that way true I mean, about the time you think you got it licked it will come back but uh, mm-hmm. the low water levels have been helping and what they did is they ran that kind of that rock wall all the way along and my experience with retaining walls is if you have one person does one and one doesn't then you end mm-hmm. up with all sorts of problems when they're consistent and they all go like that then it's a little bit more manageable so uh, I wouldn't say forever, but for now it seems like they've uh, stopped a little bit of that erosion. Uh, and then heading back in the river, they had that barge there that was doing some work there, uh, dredging a channel. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, yep. so overall, just a great, great dive day. Looking, yeah, looking, it sure was. Looking forward to many more, and, uh, and we got some ideas and what, what you can do to the boat to modify it, protect it. But uh, climbing up the ladder wasn't bad at all. I, that's I, I think that's what I was most surprised at. Yeah, it was. I think uh, if we if we change the way that we gear up and uh, stage the stuff, uh, we can just do a stride right off the the platform on the back. And, and getting back up was less of a pain. I was expecting somebody to have to help me back up into the onto the back of the boat. Um, but it was uh, that little swim ladder did surprisingly well. And then you had a dive last night? Yeah, I happened to be up in uh, Grand Rapids um, for some training, job training. And uh, SAS, uh, uh, a dive shop that's uh, in Battle Creek, uh, has a Wednesday night fun dive that they do that they, uh, you know, kind of get everybody together. And and last night it happened to be at Gull Lake. Um, I think it was Prairie View Park, which is on the north end of Gull Lake. Um, and I think we were probably, there were probably maybe 15 or 16, uh, people there, um, diving. There were three of us from the mud club. Uh, so I, anyway, when I heard about it, I said, I'm already going to be up in Grand Rapids. I'll be driving that way on my way home. I'm going to do this. And, uh, we did it and I dove with, uh, Richard from the mud club and Bob from the mud club. And, uh, it, it was a neat. A neat dive, a shallow shore dive. Uh, I think I only went down about 40 feet. Um, the visibility was pretty good. Um, the lake seems to be in really good shape. Tons of snails on the bottom, uh, snails and uh, crayfish. So that's, so that's their zebra mussels, the snails? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if they look at the snails the way that we look at the zebra mussels or not. Um, I did find little clusters of zebra mussels here and there, pick them up, uh, they were about the size of a, a pool ball, um, you know, a cue ball or whatever. And uh, but but I didn't see them covering everything the way that they they tend to do out in Lake Michigan. Um, but it was a, a neat dive. The water was uh, was 56 degrees, um, and they've got some things. They've got a couple of courses up there. Uh, some of the local shops up there use that for open water training and things like that. They've got some things sunk. There's platforms and. Uh, things to see as we were swimming out to the first uh, first platform there's a row of uh, rubber duckies that are tied to the bottom and they're floating about three feet off of the bottom and it's kind of neat to <laughs> to follow rubber duckies out to uh, while you're out diving uh, but it was a neat dive a lot of a lot of neat people there and uh, if you're 
your shop, uh, local dive shop sponsors anything like that, take advantage of it because you're going to meet a lot of neat people and get a lot of good local diving in. Now, how did it compare to Lake 16? Was there? Oh, geez, it was bright. Um, There was stuff living. (laughs) Stuff living. (laughs) (laughs) It it was uh, Lake 16 is a dark, (coughs) cold lake, Um, and and there's no two ways around that. Um, And it gets deep. This Gull Lake does not get very deep. It was bright. Um, You did have to be careful. There were uh, some uh, boaters out there, um, so you you swam with a flag. Um, that, that's about it. It was it was uh, a neat dive. A lot of fun. Saw a couple of big bass uh, really? that I had almost forgotten about. Probably uh, <laughs> 14 to 16 inches. And uh, they were moving around a little bit. So, you know, they're starting to get warmed up. Probably getting hungry. So who from the club made it? Was uh, Did Bob make it up there? Bob and Richard did. Bob and Richard, okay. Yep, yep, and I, I swam with both of those guys, and uh, they kind of showed me around. I had never been there, so uh, we took it uh, took it up there. Bob was on his rebreather, and, and once again, you know, there's nothing to hear, nothing to see. Um, so you got to kind of keep your eyes out for Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mac, are you, you still there? Yes, I am. Hey, uh, I do you, do you, had a, you want to talk about your dive this last week? Well, we did Lake Michigan one on uh, Wednesday doing soil samples. Uh, there's a mile stretch or so from uh, where Grand Mirror Lakes are, the North, Middle, and South Lakes. Mm-hmm. So we were off for anywhere between 10 and 20 feet doing random sampling for uh, sediment layers and clay banks. And ran across, you know, just normal stuff, fall off the boat and look down beneath it. And there's a 50-gallon drum all squeezed up. Uh, found some pier points that I didn't know were out there, 15, 20 feet of water. Uh, but they used to have a lot of piers from the shoreline out in the old days when they used to do logging. Mm-hmm. Uh, came across some of those, thought I'd found a cannon for a minute. Darn it, wasn't a cannon. Oh. I bet your uh, heart was racing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looked pretty good. You know, I'm down there by some pier heads, and there's this long cylinder object that in one end had the raised indicators on the back like you'd have a cannon mount. Uh-huh. And it was all in the back side. And then I went to the forward section, it was rounded over. So it's basically a looked like an old boiler tank or pressure tank. And the oh. raised items on the back were rivets. Oh. But interesting yeah interesting because you kind of wonder what the story is why it's out there yep. actually got some um uh, we actually had a camera with us so i took some pictures of um uh, some of the sediment layers that we were looking at and doing surveys on but there was one stretch that we had gone across that was sort of flat and you know how the highway when it expands and you can get a drop like when you have an earthquake mm-hmm. so i've got this flat sediment layer that i'm looking for and there's a shift it's like it's been sheared about a foot and a half. It was really, really wild to look at. And the picture hmm. actually came out pretty decent. And they were sort of excited about that one. It's like, wow, we got to think about this a little bit. Yeah, because that kind of makes you wonder, you know, what happened underneath. You know, is there, you know, is there another sedimentary, sedimentary layer underneath that 
move that caused that to shear? Or? Yeah, for a foot and a half. The, the sand ridges uh, on Wednesday were at least three inches high. Uh, you had a really good cross current in that shallow water, but you could have maybe a foot, foot and a half distance, and you'd have a ridge three inches high in a symmetric pattern on the bottom. Uh, and you did have some current wanting to go the opposite direction, which was interesting. Wow. But they must have liked the work. We're going to go back out again. They have a different job for us on a different area, but uh, well, be we'll nice. probably go back out, weather permitting, Sunday or Monday. Excellent. Well, it looks like the uh, the lake was very uh, accommodating for you. The photos that I've seen looked like it was a very nice, uh, calm day for you. Well, when we went out, we had uh, little white caps and deep swells. So we thought really? we were, yeah, we thought we were going to get blown off. And the the white caps went away because we had wind. It was supposed to be zero, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, when we finished about two thirty, we started heading back, and uh, the white caps had gone down. But you had some significant swells out there. Wow! And talking about boats. Uh, we uh -huh. do have the opportunity to uh, rent that boat that's uh, 22 foot long, flat bottom, uh, Boston Whaler. Uh -huh. And it'll very easily handle eight divers and two to three tanks each. And that would be economical enough to get everybody out there, you know, 25 bucks and chip in for gas. Yeah. We could dive on the tunnels, the um, intakes uh -huh. that you haven't been on yet. Nope. Uh, for the waterworks at Benton Harbor, and then work our way back up to the Havana. Yeah, yeah. that would be fun. That'd be good. We gotta. We're gonna have to plan that. Yeah, because we went. We left the harbor entry at uh, 8:20. The docking. We were at the harbor mouth at uh, 8:30, and we're on station at the chalets, which is easy, six seven miles, at nine o'clock. So we made pretty good time. And we could get equally to the Havana at the same aspect. Yeah. I think that's going to be neat. Yeah. Looking forward to the other little item I dropped notes to you guys about. Oh, certainly. We can. Yeah. I, I, uh, now, is, is Sir Larry really on the Internet? Yes, he is certainly there. He actually got emails, and uh, I got a response back today. Do you have his address yet? Well, he, he emailed me, he said, uh, you know, make sure you keep Memorial Weekend open. So, uh, you know, I, I keep that open as much as I can without getting in trouble, kind of like last night's dive that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all all well, good plans. <laughs> we know for sure people would like to put the buoy back up on the Havana, uh -huh. but I'll tell you, if there's a choice between the Havana and the barge and the uh, crane, yep. uh, where do you think I'm going to go? Yeah, there's there's no there's no choice. Well, you guys will be set up for it this time because you will get the chamber dive this weekend, which is a go, by the way. Great. Good, good. I got Sass gave me a call this morning. Uh, I didn't call you because it wasn't a problem. Yep. And once you get the chamber dive, then you'll have a much better uh, feel for yourself mm -hmm. and uh, you can go hit that barge. That's the only certain. difference is, like I know, Ken will go doubles with two regs. I'll take the, the sling bottle. You know, going down, you either want to take the sling bottle with you or go buy somebody who has one. Yeah. Well, what I'm, and, and I wonder what your idea on this is, is would it make sense for me just, I mean, does it make sense just to sling an 80? If you're going to do that, I'd go rent a 50. Oh, okay. It's a yeah. pain in the butt trying to sling an 80 
you know, for, for what we're going to be doing. It's not that deep. Mm-hmm. And you could always set a double up. That's what some of them will do. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking about a double, but that's probably going to be next year's project. Uh, messing with the double, but uh, yeah, definitely for that depth, it'd be nice to have a sling and maybe even uh, you know consume some of that air to extend the dive time a little bit. And or if nothing else, put a put a D ring on it, put it down the anchor line, so you've always got a spare bottle at the anchor line. Yeah, yeah, true. That'd be another good better, way. At least you know, you know how to get there, and if you're going to be going off, take your tag line so you know you here's the way back to your extra bottle. It's a free flow at 120. You're going to burn your tank up real quick. Oh yeah, I bet it won't take long at all. Yeah. So, so for those listening who who didn't catch that, we're going to be doing a chamber dive this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. So, looking forward to that. Uh, that'll by far be the deepest that uh, either Jim or I have gone. Uh, they're they're planning on taking us to 150 feet. That's my understanding. Yes. Okay. So now, go ahead. So that'll be an excellent thing for you guys to to get, you know, you'll be watching each other, seeing who gets knocked out first. Mm-hmm. Again, you can get tunnel vision or, or focus, meaning you can actually do the task, mm-hmm. but you just don't see what's going around you, the peripheral. Yep. And that's what you got to watch out for when you get knocked. Yeah. You can do your task because you're focused, but you don't know what's going around you. Now, you what should what should that. we bring for the the chamber dive you know i've heard that they said you could bring your uh like your computer would that make sense yeah um definitely you can bring a camera if you want to but you got to bring the housing that'll go with it mm-hmm. uh, your depth gauge for minimum and most people now have computers uh i'm gonna probably bring out a tennis ball a uh styrofoam cup even though quite often they provide those a balloon you go in and then you do the little trick of blowing it up, and then as you come back up, you watch it expand as like that could be your lung. Mm-hmm. And the density of the cup changes tremendously; it actually shrinks and it's very dense. It's it's a good image, and it, it gives you a little better appreciation for something you know the physics of it. Yeah, I can tell you, but it doesn't make the make sense until you see what it can really do to something physically. Well, right. that you know because I. I you know, the, the idea of going to depth and the pressure doesn't seem to relate to me uh, in practice. Because in practice, you know, after you've gone down, you know, 30, 50, 80 feet, I, you know, other than equalizing it, is I really don't feel that pressure because everything's all equalized. But I think to see some object like a styrofoam cup just get crushed, that would, uh, that would you know, kind of be a little bit more of a, uh, visual cue as to what's really going on. Well, what right. you also want to do is uh, take something that can record audio and record the speaker from the outside. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I got a recording where I was in California down at 250, and it, it's really an interesting audio tape because it's really quiet till about 60 feet because everybody's serious. At 60 feet, some people you could already get hit with the effects uh-huh. because it sounded like they're starting to have a party. Oh. <laughs> By the time you're down to 150, it was a freaking madhouse. <laughs> and you don't realize it until after you get back out and listen to the tape. We had a guy at 250 who was going to go out for coffee for everybody. Oh. 
and it's open like, up the hatch. I really don't want you opening the door. <laughs> and then you start talking Donald Duck at 60 <clears throat> or less for some. And as soon as you do that, everybody breaks up. So, so really, we'll, our voices will sound different as we go down? Oh, big time. Yeah, that's what's making the Donald Duck talk is the density of the air on your vocal cords. Oh, Those I see. Are, oh, my goodness. Now you talk like Minnie Mouser. <laughs> and, and you're already narked, so you're going to go nuts, though. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be silly then. Without being narked. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I always it's thought like, it was the helium. helium but uh, it, it's pretty neat. Then as a, you decompress coming back up, you know, you have the condensation, the heat, and the volume and the tone just went exponentially down as we got pressed back up or depressed. Mm-hmm. 60 feet, everybody's quiet like, did I embarrass myself when I was down there? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> That's why the tape is good. Well, I, I, is Josh still playing and coming and recording? He is, so we're going to run a video camera from the outside, so we're going to be able to pick up the audio and, and peek through the port uh, to see what we're doing on our shenanigans inside the chamber. So, so maybe what we'll do is we'll do some edits before next week's show, and we'll uh, play those uh, little snippets during the show maybe, and then we'll, we'll post <laughs> the, the... because It should change, and you should have the Donald Duck, and that ought to be interesting. Oh, that'll be interesting. So Josh is coming as a spectator, correct? Yes, he is. That's why I drove yep. fast, so that, that should not be an, an issue. Okay, If we'd had six instead of five, we would have needed two uh, chamber tenders. Mm-hmm. And the five works out good, and it minimizes our time because we won't have to wait a cycle for the next group. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, how big is this chamber? I'm not sure which one they have now, but they'll, we'll all be in it at the same time. Okay. It'll good. be comfortable, meaning claustrophobic. Now, now, what, now, what's the dress code? You know, no thongs? What they're going to do, uh, when I used to go in and you're going to be pressed down, because, again, 250, that's a lot more different or a lot different than 150, but we had to wear no static type clothing. Uh, um, how they're going to do this there, I'll, I'll just defer to them when we get there. I don't think you'll have to go in naked or anything like that because <laughs> that would make good video. Maybe, but no, not not I so don't much. Think it's gonna make that good. <laughs> not so good. <laughs> just just wear your eyes. I'm, and <laughs> if, if we're doing that, I'm I'm sitting next to the door, um, so I can get out in a hurry. Oh no way! Yeah. 150. Yeah, but I mean, should we avoid you know anything like uh, you know like are we pants with zippers? <laughs> Again, I, I, he did not mention any qualifications for okay. it. So if we did, I'm sure they'd either provide it or just tell you don't light up when you're in there. Like, no, obviously, no lighters. And, and <laughs> right. Yeah, don't light up. Okay. Well, let me take a smoke. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, probably the oxygen like we did coming back up to help press down anything. Okay. Get rid of any nitrogen and, and other bubbles. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Just should... guys are safe. The only time I've ever been bent is in a chamber. So Ugh. I'll let that go by you. Right. <laughs> great. <laughs> now, was that bent because of the chamber, or were you? is that the chamber? We, we were on the Navy tables. Uh, I was the oldest guy in my squad that was in there. When we came up, I got the skin bends. The second crew went in. 
oldest guy in that one got hit only he had a, a neuro hit oh uh, well he was fine after two days but the kicker is you got 18 year olds and then you had the old farts and back then i was 30 something and so i was the oldest and it does make a difference because you know 18 year old body is a sure a lot different mm-hmm. you know a little bit more pliable and resilient probably yeah, a little more flexible. You don't have all the uh, perfusion <laughs> differences in your body tissue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, we're going lower, not as not as deep, so we should be fine. I've never heard of anybody. You will probably get a little card uh, that you have to carry with you for 24 hours, saying that you have been pressed down and the symptoms for uh, uh, a hit. Oh, okay. So it's, it's educational. It's very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good time. And Sir? we're going to be, uh, there's going to be a, a short class beforehand, right? Right. Um, there may be some competition for space up there, but we may stand around in a big circle around Mick and uh, have him give whatever he needs to give us up there before we go to the chamber in Bronson. Okay. But uh, I haven't been to his shop in years, so I'm sort of looking forward to that, and I'm sure you'll have your GPS ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should be able to, to find it. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, uh, carpool. How, how, any idea on who's driving? I'm I'm game. I could drive. Well, so far I was going to be over at Jim's house. So okay. <laughs> he's driving. Okay. You did get that email, right? Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, I your email last night. Oh, did you? On uh, okay. You said something about you didn't hear what we were talking about or something. Yep, What's that's me. That? So that's, that's probably me. on the oh, okay. discussion board. Okay. I will go there and check it out. Yeah, we'll have to go in there and look. And that ball you were talking about on the on the Havana that sounded interesting. Uh, having a picture would be quite the thing to do. I'm hoping that we do because uh, about where that ball was is also where I had the the bottle. So I think Kurt may have gotten it. But if not, I'm sure it's still there. It was, uh, I mean, it looked almost like uh, I, I've seen people do it with grapevines where they make this little, mm-hmm. you know, webbed ball. But uh, yeah, at first I thought it was some sort of, you know, did a, did a fish pack it together to protect something? But I don't know. And they're both almost exactly the same size. Yeah, there were two of them. And they weren't. And the see, thing is, uh, we had, you know, I had dove on the Havana before, and they weren't there. Well, it's funny you, you were talking about that because when we were out there doing the survey, I came across uh, an interesting item that I did have a picture of, and I took some photos of it. And it's about six inches long, and it could be a larvae of something. I don't know what could have a larva that large. Oh. Uh, Sea monster? I mean, down, it, it was very nebulous and Tyrian. I couldn't see through it. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I'd never seen it before. I wish I'd have taken a sample of it, but I had, you know, business versus a, I'd like to try mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I had the camera, and uh, that worked out well. I'll, I'll post a picture. You guys can look at it and see what I'm talking about. That'd be cool. Yeah, so the, yeah, I'm not sure what that what the ball was. Yeah. You were hmm. talking about pictures or take a different tent 
if your if your camera, like my uh, the camera I have, has a setting for underwater that compensates for the color that you lose at depth. And so if you had and it was a green tinge, mm -hmm. maybe the setting on the camera wasn't set for underwater because that'll make a difference. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it was Kurt's camera, and he had Nikolaik housing. So I'm not sure, you know, it seemed like he had filters and stuff, but uh, I, I noticed that the video looks much better than the the stills. Now, the stills had the uh, the strobe, which I don't remember seeing go off. I didn't I didn't ever remember see the strobes pop off even when he was doing stills. Um, so I don't know. That's a shame because it's nice to get used to it because if you're down there in pawpaw, and you suddenly saw the big flash, and you wonder who's taking pictures, and you're by yourself. That's when you're going to realize that it was lightning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just hope you That's got a lot of back gas. That. I was down at Papa doing that, and I thought somebody was taking flash pictures. And I'm down there by myself, and I'm like, who the heck's down here with a camera? And then about the time the the, the water shakes. And oh, like, no. What? So you poke your head up and you see near that little lightning rod that's got that red and white slash on it that you're attached to by a line and you notice that's it's in the like, water. That was freaking lightning. <laughs> yep. That's yep. That's yeah, that's uh yeah. I tend to want to avoid that. <laughs> that's funny. Now uh let, let's uh did did you guys see this the cool gear I, i'm putting a link out there and again it will be in the show notes <coughs> the cool gear where uh the immersed senses let scuba divers breathe and move freely underwater <coughs> let me uh post that link to you in the uh skype channel so you can go and take a look at it so it should be coming across there and uh uh, we'll, we'll kind of try and describe it. And, and what this is, is uh, uh, I would say it's a, an, an industrial designer, you know, a futurist, Adam Wendell, uh, his idea of scuba diving in the future. And so he's got this, this hood, mask, helmet, uh, and he's, he's named this device the Immersed Senses. And the idea is it changes what the diver sees, hears, and breathes underwater. Uh, and he's pitching it as saying it allows you to be part of the surroundings. Uh, it features an LED flashlight that lets the uh, diver observe uh, the sea light. The mask has a large shield on it, which uh, has an OLED display. And, I, and I, I think he's saying that it's built into the glass. I couldn't tell if it was uh, built in the glass or a heads up. And the idea is that the the on the mass, they would project, you know, your gauges, instructions, uh, and then also would, you know, monitor what's around you and help you identify fish. Huh. It would have underwater uh, GPS. Uh, uh, let's see. And then he called it haptic glass. And the idea is that it would be able to... Uh, uh, he, he's calling it optically clear glass with microscopic pores keeping water molecules out, which yet allows sound waves to pass. Uh, uh, and it would measure the sound waves and then give you indicators of to which direction the sounds were coming from. 
uh, has a silicone lining that was supposed to help seal it. But you know, when I look at it, and, and Jim, you saw it, I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how you're going to get that on your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think this is a, this is a very much just a, a concept proof of um, concept. Yeah, but it's very neat to to think about it. Uh, makes me think of that uh, the Star Wars. Uh, where the Jedi put this thing in their mouth and they can breathe underwater. Yeah. Um, well, you and, know, and, and they have that part to it where he was having uh, mm-hmm. the the part where he's supposed to be able to extract oxygen from the water. Right. And then would expel the carbon dioxide. But see, that's where I think he didn't do a whole lot of research because it's almost like he's uh, separating the oxygen and hydrogen from the water. And to me, it seems like you go toxic if you're doing that. Actually, two patents for underwater breathing that were probably a century or more ahead of their time was in the 1800s. And one of them was the theory to cut into the individual's carotid and actually have the blood flow through the backpack. So instead of breathing through the lungs, you're actually oxygenating your blood system with by like a um, heart and lung machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, but it's a solid unit. Therefore, you're not subject to compression aspects. Oh. And this is in the 1800. They patented the idea, but obviously way beyond what they could have done. The wow. Was actually what they called artificial gills. And again, he, he it was interesting about using uh, osmosis, reverse osmosis having a power pack that would have seawater, force seawater through this reverse osmosis membrane, which extracts the oxygen modules or uh, molecules. So that would oxygenate your blood. Hmm. It's like, it makes sense, but, (laughs) you know, the hygiene aspects, it was quite interesting the way they did that. Did you see the abyss? Yes. Where they have the fluid in the helmet? Yeah. They, you know, that's possible. You know that. That's not just fiction, right? Right. All right. They were doing some uh, deep diving at Duke University, uh, meaning 2,000 feet, for example, is the divers out of the bell working. And they were trying to figure out how could we go deeper and make it easier and breathing, not breathing, but having the oxygenated liquid and then oxygenate the liquid through a pump. Makes sense, because then you don't have the compression factor with your lungs. They were doing that. The problem was the divers always got pneumonia because they could never get all the liquid out of the lungs. Also, some of the liquid would hang around. Yeah, they couldn't get all the liquid out of the lungs because you've got so much tissue in there and the little air sacs that you couldn't do it. Where they actually still use that, though, is they do use that on preemies. Or that's how they keep the premiums alive, is they keep the lungs filled to let the lungs get mature, and they oxygenate the liquid, just like an umbilical. Wow. So they were reverse engineering it for, for an adult, and they could get, they had volunteers, but they'd only do one lung at a time. <laughs> oh. They said, that was really, it's like you've seen the one where they take the little mouse and they throw the mouse in this jar of liquid and put the top back on it real quick. Uh-huh. And the mouse goes nuts until he breathes and then realizes, 
wait a minute, I'm not dead. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that video? Oh, yeah. It's like the same thing. The guys were saying that it's really a change to have your lungs pumped full of liquid and then try to breathe. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for that yet. No. Uh, I think I'll let somebody else volunteer for that part. Yeah, the 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 drowning would be a miserable aspect, and then to actually live through it would be... Because that's essentially what you'd be doing to yourself. Yeah. Uh, filling your your you'd, you'd have the sensation of drowning without drowning. So it, mm. they'll have to make some breakthrough for us out there eventually, but don't know what it'll be yet. The only thing I see on this helmet here is, from my perspective, I can't move my jaw and make my ears clear. If he does have a nose plug, he's going to be in real big trouble of equalizing his ears. I yeah. hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Now, in those commercial diving helmets, how do you is is how do you do clear in there? I have a nose pad in mine. I can retract it. Uh, depend on which hat. I've used about thirty six different hats, and every one you can set it up so you can use a nose pad or have a pad that you can put your nose against and block. The hardest one was the Mark V because it's such a freaking big chamber. You know, you got some volume there. I did have a pad in mind that I could fix for myself that I could get, plug my nose enough, I could clear my ears. If you're using a neck dam, if you have to, you can always stick your finger up the neck dam, pinch your nose, but you don't really want to do that. Yeah, I imagine that'd be a little difficult. Yeah, but some guys are real good. You can just wiggle your jaw and clear your ears. Never happened for me. Yeah, I, yeah, I've read, you know, probably a dozen different articles on it, and. Uh, so far, the, the holding my nose and yep. doing it that way seems to work the best. Well, yeah, I, I can't do it. It's like even on Friday, I, I was up and down so much that maybe two or three hours into it, I went down. It's like I couldn't get past eight feet without hurting. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh, it was cold, only in one ear. So I'd have to keep coming up slow, and then I'd have to crack the hood to let the water in to you know get some... I think what it was is the seal on the wetsuit hood was oh. making good a seal. Yeah. So I came back up, popped that, got some water in there, cold as it was, mm-hmm. and I was able to to do it. But coming up and down a lot, you got to watch out for because cold will affect your station tubes. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I like that heads-up display though. Yeah, I thought that was cool. That made me think of Bob and you know some of the projects that he's working on with his. Uh, display, you know, this is kind of like the next generation. See, and to me, I th- I think this, you know, I like some of the ideas of it. I could see maybe this combined with a rebreather, but I'm not quite sure about, you know, what he's proposing. I mean, and obviously this is way in the future on many parts of this. You know, I, I think they can make a display on the glass. I don't think that's tough, but the whole, you know, battery pack and seawater yeah. being pulled in. Yeah. Uh, you, know. you saw that mask I took a picture of and put on the uh, site from uh, the ghost ships? Yeah. That one mask has that system. It's not a heads up. There's actually a small miniature TV set. Mm-hmm. And you angle your eye down, and it's got your remote sensor telling you what your tank pressure is, temperature. And that's pretty unique. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of neat. I, I've seen that. And then uh, there's a few different companies who are making them. Wouldn't be surprised if they're the same actual design. 
And I told Bob when he got his, I'd like that from the aspect if you can put my put a compass there, my pressure. Uh huh. That would be. That's what I'd like. Well, I agree. So I know he's focusing on uh, on uh, the rebreather market, but maybe there we can con him into having a another version just for us open circuit guys. Well, I told him make sure the numbers are big because I can't see with my, <laughs> my my vision as I get older. I said I want real big numbers and. And that was a big item when I was uh, trying the rebreathers up there also is out of the five I tested, I could only really reasonably read the numbers on one of the units because they were so big. The other ones, I couldn't read them worth a darn underwater, which is the wrong place not to be able to do that with a rebreather. Exactly. Well, that's, that's where you want to be able to read them. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, and well, I'm, I'm red, red, red or green, green, green. I can see that. Yeah, I'm I'm noticing that uh, my up close vision is uh, getting a little tougher, especially with the uh, contacts in when I dive. So, yeah, that's that's age. That's what age will do. Age is that what that is? Maturity, maturity, maturity. Maturity. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. Uh, so, uh, well, we're get, we're getting pretty close to the end. Uh, I noticed that. Uh, uh, some of our uh, listeners, such as Tweetin, is uh, looking for some more photos for the boat, Jim. So we got, uh, I don't know if you saw that request. Yep, we're going to have to get some more out there. Um, and I'm sure if we don't get out on a dive soon, we'll be out doing something else on the water. Yes. So, so. I bet we'll do that. And then uh, just to remind everybody, you know, we'd love to have some uh, five-star iTunes reviews, so head out to iTunes. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. Uh, also visit our Facebook page and, of course, the website, scubaobsessed.com, and then the Mud Club page, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. There's interesting things out there. If you're not in a local dive club, then you can live vicariously through ours. Uh, also, I've got kind of a little homework assignment. You know, If, if you want to send us an email, uh, like if you got a question for us and you don't mind uh, doing a little audio recording, go ahead and uh, send it as an MP3 attachment and email. Uh, you can email me at Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N, at scubaobsessed.com, and we'll get that. And also I'm looking for people to record uh, just a couple words. And I'm, i I got a project I'm working on, and uh, I won't tell everybody right now, but I'll probably ask for little contributions over the course of the next few weeks and then I'll edit it together and, and everybody will go, ah, that's what that is. So if you could send a little audio file and what I want you to say on the audio file is, hi, Jim. So just uh, send a little MP3 of that uh, and uh, I've, I've got a project I'm working on and then the more people, if you, even if you have people who, who don't know who Jim is, I want them to say, hi, Jim. So Go ahead and uh, put that put that together. Oh, so uh, before we call this a show, anybody have anything else? I think that's it. I think we've got everything covered. So uh, great. Looking forward to Saturday. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to Saturday. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I'm I'm picking up my uh, my cable for my dive computer so I can actually do downloads. I hope to get that tomorrow download uh, the dives I have on there uh, I'm kind of concerned uh, what I'm going to see my drive profile 
it keeps <laughs> it keeps beeping at me that I'm going up, and it and I and I I've, I've been watching that extra close, you know, doing my mm-hmm. my safety stops and everything, and it just seems like it dings me for like maybe the last three minutes of the dive where where I'm at like eight feet and then I'm on the surface. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, it's it's tough to watch that 100% of the time. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'd be kind of interested to see how bad am I. Am I throughout the dive coming up too quick? So looking forward to to getting that. So in, in honor of uh, Jim's new boat and the fact I'm running out of scuba jokes, I thought we'd go a little bit more nautical theme. So you know what time it is. It's time for the bad scuba joke of the week. Yep, scuba boat joke, I guess, is what we're going to call it this time. Ah. So are you ready? We're ready. Okay. Dead ahead through the pitch black night, the captain sees a light on the collision course with his ship. He sends a signal, change your course 10 degrees east. And then the other one flashes back, change yours 10 degrees west. The The captain responds, I'm the United States Navy captain, change your course, sir. And the other one says, I'm a seaman second class. Change your course, sir. And by this time, the captain's furious. He says, I'm a battleship. I'm not changing course. And the other one says, I'm a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it it had to be bad. (laughs) I've heard worse here. (laughs) Here. We've had had worse here. Uh, oh. Okay, so this just opens up a whole new round of, of bad scuba jokes. So, right. Uh, we or we, we, water jokes. So we'll, we'll be able to keep these flowing for quite a while. So until next week, uh, go out and get wet. And dive safe.